Well, Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would charge us, that you would stir up hunger in us, that you would stir up passion in us. God, that you would ruin us for everything but you. God, that you would burn up in us everything within that does not bring you glory. Lord, we want to see you. We want to look upon your face. We want to behold your beauty. Lord, keep us before your face. God, keep us hungry for your presence. Keep us thirsty for your word. Keep us passionate about your presence. Lord, I pray these things today, God, because I believe that a spirit of transformation is in the room. I believe with all my heart, God, you are sending a spring rain of refreshing. For every heart in here that is weary and heavy laden, I just want to declare over you this morning that there is a spring rain of refreshing that's coming your way. The Lord whispered in my ear this morning. He said, hold fast. There's a spring rain on its way. So if you've been going through a winter season, a gray season, a season of despair, you've been going without, I want you to know that the abundance of spring, that the refreshing rain of spring is on its way. Is it okay if I prophesy that to you this morning and that I tell you guys that? Because I believe with everything in me that God is pouring out on our church and on his church a season of refreshment. I, I, I almost, if, if I had the time, I would go through and interview everybody. I don't have that time this morning, but interview everybody. I, I feel like I would find about 80% of people in this room that would say, man, I've been working hard. I've been hustling. I've been grinding. I've been going in. I've been working. I've been sweating, you know, whatever it is, however you uh, frame it up like you've been working really hard but you haven't seen the reward you haven't seen the fruitfulness yet that you know is on its way that you know has been promised to you that you're expecting you're like man where is the equal sign like I've been working season in and season out I've been toiling uh, planting watering but where is the fruitfulness and that's what I feel like that today is a bit of a first fruits experience like what you guys have experienced in the spirit this morning you will experience in the natural. You will reap a harvest. You will see the fruit. It's a spiritual law. You will always reap what you have sown. And I just want to encourage you guys, for those who have been sowing and sowing and sowing, don't stop sowing. Don't stop giving. Don't stop doing. Because you guys know the passage of Scripture. Do not grow weary in well-doing. For in due time, you will reap a harvest. And some of you guys, maybe your spiritual eyesight is, you know, is the lens needs to be just a little bit clean because you're not exactly seeing the harvest that your barn is full of. But I just want to tell you guys that you have a harvest and there is fruitfulness for you. Is that okay? So just take that. If you don't remember it, everything I just said, just say, I got that. Yeah. So you guys weren't listening then. I'm just kidding. You know, I got that. I received it. I receive it in my spirit. Amen. I, I want to read a passage of scripture to you this morning and continue a series on the Beatitudes that we've been doing here. Anybody ever heard a good series on the Beatitudes before? 
few of you guys. Awesome. I, I had never heard a series on the Beatitudes in my life before I decided to preach one. So you're going to have to forgive me as I adventure my way through the text, okay? And do my best to pull down Revelation and share fresh bread with you guys. Is that cool? Because I'm going to pursue the most controversial beatitude this morning, which is the third. And so if you have your Bible, open it up to Matthew chapter 5. I want to read verses 1 through 5 to you, and then we'll get started. Verse 1 says, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I'd like for everyone to repeat that last beatitude with me. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Do it one more time. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Father, we ask you to anoint our time right now. God, we ask that the seed would be sown into good soil and that you would bring forth fruit. God, transform us by this word. Make us more humble. Make us more meek as we reach out to lay hold of our inheritance. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So I want to speak to you guys from the subject today, meek, not weak. Sound good? Yes. Meek, not weak. Now, when we read the Sermon on the Mount, we should be shocked by it. Because the Sermon on the Mount is, in fact, shocking. Because it is very counterintuitive to the way that we live in our culture. Would you agree with that? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Are you kidding me? Did he really just say that the poor are blessed? Did he really just say that the people who are not good at being spiritual are those who Jesus says is blessed? You got to be kidding me. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. I believe that the people who were listening to Jesus give this sermon, they were absolutely baffled by this beatitude. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, it's important to note, as we study the beatitudes, we need to be reminded of Jesus's audience. We need to know and understand those who were gathered around Jesus. I'm not just talking about his disciples that were hanging on his every word. I'm talking about the bystanders, the people who were in attendance and listening to what this mystical man from Galilee, this rabbi named Jesus, was presenting. Because they had already seen that he had power and that he had authority, despite the fact that he did not come with a very polished message. All right. Up until this time, Jesus only had been preaching one sermon, and it was about the length of a tweet. 140 characters. Basically, what Jesus came preaching was this. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he stole that sermon from his cousin, John the Baptist. I know a lot of preachers think, man, I got to come up with something original. No, you don't. Just walk in the Holy Spirit, walk in the power of God. You can steal a message. It ain't about the presentation. It's about the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And so Jesus, you know, he came and he said, you know, I'm going to preach this message and then I'm going to distribute kingdom power and authority. 
The sick are going to be healed. The dead are going to be raised. The lepers are going to be cleansed. The demonized will be delivered. So everybody is fascinated by this mystical man, Jesus of Nazareth. So they're following him and they're thinking, when is he going to explain the kingdom? He keeps talking about the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay, I I mean, I see the miracles, but what is this kingdom you're talking about? Are you going to restore Israel? Are you going to bring back Israel's rightful authority? Are you going to kick out the Romans, Jesus? Like, what is this that you're talking about? And so Jesus makes his way up to a mountain and he sits down. He looks out over his audience and he says, I'm going to give you guys my kingdom 101 class. You've been wondering what the kingdom is like. You've been wondering what this kingdom I keep talking about is really all about. Well, let me break it down for you. And I'm going to start with 10 points. And these 10 points are going to go down in history as we refer to them as the Beatitudes. So if you've ever wondered what it looks like to explore the very kingdom of Jesus Christ, you need look no further than the Beatitudes. Because Jesus shows us what his kingdom is like. We've reviewed the first two, and then he dives into the next one, the meek. There's five groups of people who are listening. Now, I want to share with you guys who these five groups of people are and kind of refer to them with some modern language, all right? The first group of people that were surrounding Jesus is what I would refer to as the religious right, okay? So I'm using some modern language. Don't worry, I'm not going to get too controversial. I understand, you know, I'm using some political terminology, but I feel that it's apt and that it's fitting for the day that we live in. Nobody's saying amen on that. Amen. Do you guys get on Facebook? Right? You've been on Twitter recently? So I'm trying to, I'm trying to not take that posture of the insulated Christian. You know, my four and no more. I don't want to know anything that's going out. I'm just going to try to be encouraging. Like, I really have a heart to just put my foot in, like, the muck and the mire of humanity and love my way through the darkness. Okay, so there's a few people that's going to get with me this morning, but we'll go. All right, so we got the religious right (laughs) that are in attendance. Now, these are the Jews that are from Judea and Jerusalem. Now, these Jews were extremely devout. You know, they had the dress You know, they kept kosher. They went to synagogue three times a day. They were always in church. They went to church more than any of us. Now, the second group was the religious left. Now, these were the Jews from Galilee. And for them, faith was important. They were kind of like those Christians that are like, you know, I really like Jesus, but I don't so much like the church. Anybody? You know, you have some friends like that? I know I've been in that place before, even as a pastor. So you're in good company today. Faith was important to them, but not, not, as, not as much as the religious right. You know, they weren't as obsessive about going to church. And to be honest, they really didn't, they weren't fond of all the religious rules. So they were still believers, but they're more so the religious left. And then the third group, which is kind of how I might categorize the environment in which we live in, which is the irreligious. So these were the dropouts. These were the people who grew up going to Sunday school, but they decided, you know what? I'm out. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm still a Jew, but I'm not involved in anything religious at all. And the religious sect, they referred to this group of people as, quote unquote, those are the sinners. You know, those are the sinners. Those are the outcasts. Those guys over there. Now, number four, which were the people I referred to earlier, those that are really good at Twitter, 
the thinkers and the pundits, all right? And these were the Greeks from Decapolis. They were also in attendance. And, you know, they weren't religious at all because their value more so was derived from education and philosophy. They knew about the arts. They were sophisticated. They knew about athletics. But the fifth group is really the group that I want to talk to you guys most about today because I feel that this group could be classified, if, if I could be so bold, okay? Don't, don't stone me, all right? As the Americans. <laughs> okay, I'll go there. <laughs> all right. Okay, so I'm going to call them the winners. All right, so everybody just say the winners. Right? So you guys all watch the World Cup, you know, USA, USA, USA. I believe that we will win. You know, our country is kind of branded by that slogan. You know, we're the winners. We're always on top. We always dominate. We're always victorious. And that's just our mindset and our culture. Now, whether or not it's true, we still portray that ideology. You guys going to get with, have I gone too controversial already? Okay, I'm just trying to speak truth. Okay, okay, cool. We're, we're all together. Amen. Okay. So, now, these were the Romans, okay? These were the occupiers of Israel. They were the triumphant. They were the dominant. They were the super powerful, super successful soldiers of the day. They had worked really hard. They, they, they had put in the grit, the blood, and the sweat, and they have taken their land, okay? So, they're the winners. Everybody say the winners. I'm really going to kind of more so pick on this group today. And it's not that I'm trying to make it personal. I'm just trying to be real about the culture that we live in and are so easily indoctrinated by. Okay. All right. See, okay, we're going to get somewhere today. It's going to be fun. So we, we have to understand this, that Jesus was not speaking to any specific group. Out of each five of these groups, he was not highlighting one and saying, you know what, those guys really need to hear this. I'm tired of those people. They're going to get this message, okay? He wasn't speaking to any specific group. He was speaking to all of these groups. And he was speaking to us today, amen? And what he's not doing is he's not teaching us how to be religious, okay? He's not teaching us. He's not giving us 10 points on how to be better Jews, okay? He's not giving us 10 points on how to be better Christians. Amen? Okay? What Jesus is teaching us is how to be human. Jesus is showing us a better way to live as human beings. Not just as Jews, not just as Christians, not as uh, elephants, not as donkeys. You guys, you're, you're getting the reference, right? Okay. All right, cool. I mean, I know we got a lot, a lot of young people and, you know, we don't vote. So, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm a millennial. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm glad you guys are with me today. Jesus is saying, look, hey, look, I'm teaching you a better way to be human. Like if you go with the grain of what I'm sharing with you today, you will have a livable life. 
You will have an abundant life. You'll have a thriving life. You'll have a full life. You'll have a life of peace in your soul. You'll have a life of rest in your spirit. But if you go against the grain of these principles, of these kingdom principles, then you are going to live a life that is below the standard of what I came to bring you. So that's what Jesus is doing. He's saying, hey, look, I'm going to show you guys. This is a new way to be human. This is a narrow way. But if you will be so bold as to walk this narrow path, you will discover real life. That's what Jesus is showing us. He's saying, I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to walk an unpopular path. Narrow is the way. But if you will walk it, you will find life in me. And not just a little life. I'm talking about an abundant life in the spirit. Jesus is teaching us the counterintuitive way of God and his kingdom so that we could live a real, full, abundant life. Now, the reason why I say that the third beatitude is the most controversial is because it lives, it stands in opposition to our culture. We do not consider meek people to be blessed. If we see a meek person, we feel sorry for them, right? What is meekness anyway when Jesus says, hey, these are the people that are blessed the meek people. Well, meekness is to be quiet, gentle, non-assertive, and non-aggressive. I don't know anybody who is that, that all, our culture, you know, singles out and says, man, wow, blessed, man. We don't do that. Right? I don't see that. I don't personally see that, but meekness is this, guys. Meekness is the condition of submission. You just write it down. Meekness is the condition of submission. And these are the type of people that Jesus declares God blesses. The meek, the quiet, the gentle, the non-assertive, the non-aggressive, not the people who claw and take everything that they need out of life, not the I believe that we will win. I am on top. I am victorious. Everybody else, eat my dust. Watch me get it. And then all, selfie, what's up? Watch me work. You know what I'm saying? It is controversial. Because essentially what Jesus is saying is this, blessed are the quiet and content, the humble and unassuming, the gentle and trusting, who are not grasping and clutching, for God will personally guarantee their share when heaven and earth become one. This is absolutely counterintuitive to our culture. We don't consider meek people to be blessed. When we see a meek person, when we recognize meekness because they kind of stand out like a sore thumb because meekness is not popular in our culture. But when we see a meek person, we say, man, I feel sorry for him. He's meek. Therefore, we kind of mean that to be he's weak. And even though we know that Jesus says, blessed are the meek, as Christians, we may be able to repeat that. Yeah, yeah, blessed are the meek. But here's how we feel about that. We're like, blessed are the meek, for even though they come in last all the time, they'll still be considered a nice guy. 
And they'll receive a certificate of participation. And they'll be named Miss Congeniality. Feel sorry for the meek. That is meekness in our culture. But see, that's not what Jesus says about the meek. What Jesus says, he says, there's a reward for the meek. And here's the reward. That they would inherit, everybody say inherit. The whole earth. Right? And isn't that really the question of life? Doesn't matter where you live. Isn't that the question of life? As human beings, we all wrestle with that question. Who gets to cut up the pie? You know, who gets to divvy it up? Who stands with the first place trophy at the end of life? Who are the real winners? Who are the real successful? Who are the real popular? Who are the ones who deserve everyone else's attention? In our culture, it is most assuredly not the meek. And in this culture, in this day and age, when Jesus, as a poor rabbi, sits down to explain his kingdom, I can guarantee you guys that most of the people listening to what Christ had to say did so with a smirk on their face, thinking, whatever, man. That's ridiculous. The meek, man, he's crazy. The meek are not inheriting the earth. I am a winner. Check the outfit. Look at the armor. I have a sword. I inherit the earth because I am a winner. I am a Roman soldier. I win. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. So I just... You know, man, I'm American. You know... (laughs) We always win. You know what I'm saying? Are you, are you guys with me? You guys awake this morning? Okay. And so <laughs> that is the question. Who gets to chop it up? Who gets to divvy up the pie? The Roman soldiers, they knew how the world was really run. They knew who ran the world. I'm tempted to insert a Beyonce lyric right there, but I'm going to move on from that because I already did T-Pain, so I just don't want to... Who run the world? Okay. So the Romans are like... Look at this guy. They're they're calling him Lord. I already got a Lord. His name is Caesar. And... We refer to him as the Lord of Lords because that's what's written on the inscription of the coin that his image bears. That he is the Lord of Lords. So, see, you got to understand that the gospel is political in the, sen- yeah, in the sense that Christ came bearing the name of the primary figurehead of authority of the Roman occupation. He said that he was the Lord of Lords. And then Christ comes on the scene as a humble, meek, mystical rabbi, and they're saying, this is the Lord of Lords. So when you say that, oh man, the kingdom of God doesn't belong in politics, see, it's already become political. It became political when Jesus stepped on the scene and said, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
So the Romans said, said no, 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 I, I know the truth, man. I already got a Lord. His name is Caesar. And I already know how the earth is inherited. I don't know if you're aware of this, Jesus, because you're probably, you know, you're, you're, you're meek. You're weak. You don't know what you're talking. You're saying these things because, you know, you tickle the ears of the poor. But you don't know how the world is run. I know how the world is run. I come from the superpower. I'm the super successful. I'm the super aggressive. I'm the super violent. I know how things go down. And I know that my country, Rome, what's up, reigns supreme all the way from Britain to India. So we have already inherited the earth, Jesus. I don't think you know what you're talking about. You better check what's going on right now. I don't think you've watched the news recently. We win. We're in charge. We got this thing wrapped up. We took it from you. You can't do anything about it because I'm super rich. I'm super powerful. I'm super violent and I'm super aggressive. And whatever I want, I take it. I don't wait on you to get your piece of the pie. I just take yours and mine. I snatch it. I get it. I take it because I'm hustling. And that's what I do because I'm an American and we win. And this is the way that we climb to the top. This is the mindset essentially. And I know I'm playing with the text a little bit, but I think it's fitting. I think it's very fitting. I think that when we read these words, you know, they jump off the page and they apply and they're relevant to the culture that we live in today because Jesus has the words of life. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we can take these words and apply them to our situation because I think, I believe, you know, as your pastor, if that means anything, that we very much live in a society that mirrors Rome in its day. I'm going to get in trouble for this, ain't I? <laughs> well, y'all don't know who's going to listen to the podcast. <laughs> but here is this audacious, poor rabbi saying, no, 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 the meek, that, that's who gets the pie. That's who inherits the earth. Now, you see, I, I mentioned... Uh, I mentioned that three out of the five groups were Jewish people, right? So they had a working knowledge of the scripture. So when Jesus is up there saying, hey, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, they weren't hearing anything new because King David, the warrior psalmist, had already declared this truth in Psalm chapter 37. And we all love Psalm chapter 37 because that is the passage of scripture that says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. How many of you guys like that? I love that. Yeah, that's a good scripture. We all know that today. So how much more would the Jewish people know it in their day? Well, what they understood was that 37 and 11 says this, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. But the meek will inherit the land. Sounds a lot like the beatitude, right? And enjoy peace and prosperity. Jesus was saying, guys, listen, I know you see this way, the way of the Romans, the way of Caesar, the dog-eat-dog, winner-take-all type of world. But what I'm telling you is, is that there's another way. And it's not just alternative, it is better. 
it's a way to live a full life as a human being. It's a way to live in connection to God. It's a way to live in abundance and be fruitful and be secure and be safe in your spirit and be anchored in peace all the days of your life to receive the mercy and the favor of God and live and think and breathe and treat people that way. That's what Jesus is saying. And the truth is this, guys. The meek trust while the weak crumble. The meek trust while the weak crumble. Because the very essence of Psalm 37 is about this. Trust. Everybody say that with me. Trust. That is the essence of Psalm 37. And I believe that Jesus was linking meekness to trust. Because that is the byproduct of meekness. The byproduct of meekness is trust, and the byproduct of trust is meekness. It goes both ways. When we trust in God for what we need, we will behave in a meek and humble way. On the other hand, if we live like the winners of the day, and we don't have that trust in God to meet our needs, then we will live in an aggressive way. We will live in a violent way. We will, we will strong arm people, step over people to get to the top. Because that's what was happening then. And even Psalm 37 opens with this exhortation to trust. It says, do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What we learn from Psalm 37, what we learn from the third beatitude is this, is that trust is a mannerism of the meek. That's how the meek live. They live in trust. On the other hand, the winner... Trusting God is extremely difficult for them, primarily because a simple trust in God is usually not what got them to where they are. The bread of the winner is often anxiety. They live in an anxious space. They live worried that somebody is hot on their heels and is about to displace them from their position of privilege. And so they obsess over security. Because they're, they're anxious. They're consistently anxious. Like this is their bread. This is the byproduct of the winner personality. Well, I'm in charge. I take everything. I'm on top. I do my thing. And so on the outside, you look good on the gram, but on the inside, you're anxious and you're, and you're scared and you're fretting and you're fearful that somebody's going to take your top spot. And so you obsess over security and you just try to keep everything status quo. And in the process, you end up bowing your knee to Caesar instead of bowing your knee to Jesus. So that's the way that Jesus is telling us, hey, look, there's a different way. there's a different way to live there's a way that you can live that life becomes livable for you becomes livable it's not it's not it's not constant torment 
it's not constant depression. It's not constant anxiety. You're not constantly being bombarded by negative thoughts because you're jealous of the vacation that somebody else is on or you're, you know, you're really upset because somebody else got something that you really wanted for such a long time because you know that your promotions don't come from your employer, that ultimately the promotions that you receive come from the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're anchored in that and your soul is at rest in that. And you say, man, I don't have to fret about security. My security's already been covered. It's already been paid for by the blood on the cross. Like I know where I'm situated and I know where I'm seated. I have a position already in heaven and every spiritual blessing is accessible to me in the heavenly realms. And I know that my papa who owns the cattle on a thousand hills wants to do more exceedingly abundantly everything that I could ask, think or imagine So I simply sit in a place of humility and silent, non-aggressive, non-violent meekness. I don't have to take nothing because what my father wants me to have, he gives to me freely. Because he loves me and I know that that's my identity and so I rest in that. And I don't obsess over being the winner because I know I've already won. Why would I fight for something that I already have? Why would I try to wrestle away from Satan? Something that God has given me freely. But, you know, Satan, he's like, hey, you know, you want the top spot. You want to be number one. Well, come over here. Let's figure it. You know, you got to hustle. You got to work hard. No breaks. Forget your family. You'll probably end up in divorce, but you know, that doesn't matter because you'll be in charge. You'll be large. You'll be, you'll be the best. You'll be the winner. You'll have the gold belt. You'll be 50 and 0. <laughs> Loki shot at Floyd Mayweather. Sorry, I was from, I was from McGregor. Um, but, but Jesus, you know, but Jesus is like, hey, it's already yours. It's already yours. Like, it's, it's already here for you. It's already yours. Like, why would you go chase something that you already have? And see, that's the thing about inheritance, right? And I'm, I'm closing. The meek will inherit the earth. You notice it says, it, it doesn't say, the meek will seize the earth. That's what the winners were doing. The winners, they were seizing it. I'm going to take it because I want it. So I'm going to seize. See, seizing is the way of Satan. Inheritance is the way of the lamb. Because (laughs) that's it. We don't have to seize things. We receive things. Because inheritance is a family word. And last I checked, your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You're a son. You're a daughter. See, inheritance is a grace word. Inheritance is a relationship word. Inheritance is a love word. Where on the other hand, seizing won't get you anywhere. I mean, you may give birth to some things that look good on the outside in the flesh, but you'll work your butt off the rest of your life trying to steward them in the flesh. Don't trade an eternal anchoring in the security of the love of Jesus Christ for a seasonal seat 
on the altar of Caesar that says, look at me. Look how awesome I am. I'm the man. I'm the best. I'm on top. I believe that I will win. Christ came to topple the altars and the throne of the Caesars, of the principalities and powers, and shut them down and shut them up so that the people of God could live in the promised land, could live in the inheritance, could live in his glory, could live in his kingdom, and be positioned as sons and daughters in the family of God. So I want to ask you guys just to stand up. I know I'm over time a little bit. And for those of you guys who... uh, our parents in here with children and the legacy kids, as soon as we dismiss, please go pick them up and we'll finish up. So Lord, we just say, just settle, settle in. Meekness. The quiet, the gentle, the the non-violent and non-assertive way of Christ. Settle into our spirit. Lord, help us in such a time as this, in which there's so much controversial controversy, so much, so much anger and so many threats, so much violence and hatred. Lord, help us bear witness to the truth and stand with our head held high, loving our way through the darkness. Lord, we ask for your help to be meek. ask for your help to be humble. Lord, we thank you that you leave the 99 to find us, to find the one. That you chase us down. That you overwhelm us your reckless love we declare that today and every day is a day of mercy and free forgiveness I wish we could receive communion but we're not prepped for that so we just say thank you Lord for your body that was broken for us thank you God for your blood that was poured out for us And as I finish today, let's just all say together, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom forever.